We're ready to go, guys? You're feeling uh, good? I'm never more good. ready. You're feeling no, good? Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen and everybody else, thank you all so much for coming tonight. We are live at WonderCon 2022, my first con back since 2019. I don't know about it. I assume everybody else's. That's kind of been the... No, uh, I continue to go to cons even when they were closed. You just showed up yep. at LH in San Diego <laughs> in like 2021 just to see Full what's going on. Full cosplay. That's where you watch all the Disney Plus Marvel shows right there like you were in line. Awesome. Well, this is the You Can't Do That Anymore podcast. Now, traditionally... This is a podcast, for those of you who don't know, that deals with going back to movies that we loved, that we used to like, that we grew up with, and going, can you still make that anymore? Are they problematic? Do the themes, are they still relevant? Or are they now just not just things that we should keep in our memory and our hindsight? Today's a little bit different because, of course, we are at WonderCon, so we need a fun superhero spin on it. So welcome, of course, to our live panel. Spider-Man No Way Home, do you still kill the villain? The thesis tonight being after Spider-Man No Way Home, we saw Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU look at five villains and go, I can rehabilitate and save them. We're not throwing them into Arkham. We're not throwing them into prison and having them come back. We're not just going to kill them off. We're not going to flip over a glider and be like, oh, maybe I could have caught that glider and helped you because you were just unstable and had serum. Oh, oh well. We, he really, really did it. He saved everybody. For one of the first few times, a no-kill rule meant no killing, no taping a bomb to somebody and dropping down in the sewer, like in Burton's Batman. <laughs> so we're here to dive into whether or not that has made it harder for us to go back. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz. With me is my usual co-host, Anastasia Washington. Hi. And, there you go. You. I like that. And joining us today is Ed Greer. And Jamie Durant. Good evening. All fantastic people. All right, guys, so let's dive right into this. I assume, because we're all here today, we're not worried about spoilers. There are going to be spoilers for Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, Amazing Spider-Man 1, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way From Home. No way home. No way from home. <laughs> no way from home. There's also a new one that he just invented. <laughs> no way from home. Spoiler is my for that story. <laughs> No one's interested in that. Those spider bites were just sad. We know all the secrets of Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man Three, so get ready. There yeah. you go. That's a lie. So guys, you have to know that. We all saw it, we all went, we loved it. It was mm -hmm. fantastic. But yeah. my first question for everybody, was there anything in No Way Home? that was different from other superhero movies you had seen. And not just the, you know, here are all of our old nostalgic characters returning, we're seeing all them on the screen for the first time. Was there anything thematically or storytelling that you were like, I've never seen that anymore and it's changed the game for me? Hmm. It's funny because I want to be like, yes, because this movie's amazing. But then I'm like, but was there anything? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if we're getting really specific, I think that the ant may of it all for sure. Um, but in terms of general superhero, uh, I think in terms of Spider-Man's, it's certainly the, the bleakest ending we've ever seen. Mm. I, I think it might be the most depressing, one of the most depressing superhero movies that isn't like a Batman that's meant to be depressing from start to finish. And I, I kind of like that, that I left that movie feeling utterly shattered. <laughs> I was devastated. That's what I go for when I go to a movie. Yeah. Shattering existence. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I felt, um, I felt elated at the end of the movie because it was like, finally Spider-Man's poor. He's got to get a GED. You know what I mean? He, I can relate to him. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't, he wasn't at the, in the seats of power sitting in Iron Man's lap or mooning at a, at a, at a mural of him or anything. It was like he was utterly alone a plucky, utterly alone 16, 17 year old person against the world. And that's always what Spider-Man has been to me. So at the end, I was very, I was very um, heartened by that, but that was by design. That was for fat old men to be like, yeah, finally he's broke. And they got, and they got me. That is the entire 
entire plot of Spider-Man 2, though, <laughs> is, yeah. is his, his whole plight in Spider-Man yeah. 2 is that he, he has to deliver pizzas. I kind of respect that you're like, man, the thing I've never seen before is a traditional Spider-Man pizza. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to talk about the type of crust on the pizza. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen all sorts of crazy yeah. crust. We all can't do a little Caesar's time. It was fucking crazy. Anastasia, how about you? Anything new? Or did you? There was nothing in there that you walked out and you were like, no, I mean, I think it was, like, uh, to reiterate what other people were saying, it's basically, like, yeah, it was a lot darker. I remember getting a phone call from my niece, hysterically crying, like, Spider made me be so sad. And I was like, yeah, that's not usually the reaction. <laughs> See, that's so funny, because for me, I, I walked out, and I really was like, this is, outside of all of the other Spider-Man movies that I've seen, which is all of them, this is one of the first times that I've seen him almost more like pity these villains and really aspire to want to help them and save them. And he sees the good in them. I mean, we had in Spider-Man 1 and Sam Raimi's, he knew Norman Osborn before he was in the Goblin Serum, but we never really saw him struggle to bring back that Norman. That Spider-Man was very much like, I have to stop the Green Goblin. And even in those last moments, he flips over that glider, but like his spider sense is pretty good. We couldn't just turn around and catch it or web it or maybe be like, talk him down a little. And I really appreciated seeing a character who like, he's got that great scene, right? He holds up that cube and is like, just a reminder you guys, I could have killed you whenever I wanted to. <laughs> and I didn't. Where like, again, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's first guy who we later find out didn't kill Uncle Ben. He's like, oh man, what should I do about this guy? And had the writing not made him trip, he would have killed that guy. <laughs> and I can prove that because Spider-Man is capable of jumping and webbing down and he just watches that dude fall to his death and then doesn't even feel bad later in Spider-Man 3 when it's like, yeah, that dude did not kill your uncle. He's not like, oh no. <laughs> He's just like, well then I guess I gotta kill someone else. I guess, I guess <laughs> the unique thing that I took away from the movie, which is, is uh, <laughs> Is men always super identify with Spider-Man, right? Like it's 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 their thing. Like you guys love Spider-Man. I think, he's great. I, and he's great. He's great. He's absolutely great. But I think for the first time as a woman, I identified with his like fixing. Like I want to fix these people. I've got to <laughs> fix these men. They're redeemable. I'll put the time in. I was like, ah. I understand you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, you know, I mean, like Doc Ock is the clear one, right? right That's a yeah. guy who's just like, hey, the microchip broke and he's a good person. But again, in Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock is like, Spider-Man, I'm going to rip apart this machine and drown. And at no point is Spider-Man like, I will help you do that and then not let you drown. He's just like, ah, man, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, it's gotta be. It's gotta, like, be. it's gotta be hard to see like all this destruction and stuff like that. And he have sits all these in the power. corner and watches it happen. No, I'm just saying, just to see like the destruction of what happens, and then to see these like horrible guys and just like you have that split second of you're like, well, if I don't do anything right now, hmm. you know. So <laughs> I think I think it's also this thing about like Spider-Man is a person who who has all these villains. Like they always say, Batman's villains are some dark, twisted version of him. Mm. Batman is not a clown, and he's not an opposite of a clown. So stop that. He's <laughs> not an opposite of a clue master. He's not the opposite. Mostly, he might be the opposite of Catwoman. Man bad, That's I the guess, closest thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe man bad if you're going to be pedantic. <laughs> but I just think it's so goofy that they do that stuff. But actually, these old dudes that Spider-Man fights are the opposite of him, his, his, his other side. They're accomplished men mm -hmm. who are of means, who have decided to go crazy because the power has gotten to them. Yeah. So in his specific case, it makes a lot of sense for him to have all this empathy for his villains, and they always have some chip that made him evil, or I fell into a vat of dudes and became a dude, or whatever, you know what I mean? You, like, you fell into a vat of dudes <laughs> and became a dude. <laughs> you know, it's time to get to that <laughs> That's yeah, a new genre. It's right, next to, it's right next to stepmom stuff. It's fallen to a vat of dude stuff. All, right. all I'm saying is like they give him dudes that can be reformed. Reform a dude who just beat your Padawan to death with a crowbar and blew him up. Right. Reform that person. You know well, what I mean? That, and we're getting, you know, that's getting yeah. a little bit ahead of like there are going to be some yeah. villains that are irredeemable. <laughs> you, you know, you then look at this movie and you take it to the genre in a broader sense. And like I've now gone back, I rewatched these movies way too much. 
But like you go back to a lot of the Iron Man MCU villains that aren't Red Skull, they aren't Thanos, but like I look at even Iron Monger and I'm like, that was really just a guy who was on Tony Stark's path until Tony Stark was like, oh no, I've seen what my weapons do and I need to go on this 23 movie arc to not be that person anymore. And we just, we don't even give him the chance to have that same arc. We're just like, oh man, he made a bigger one than I did, even though I've like just flew across international borders and shot five people in the head. And then you even get into like the Winter Soldier and Loki are the two best cases I think in the MCU of like these are people who have also done unforgivable things. I can't think of one other movie or series where we go, here's a main character we're going to follow who killed the other main character's parents and every other political figure for years. And then we're like, we're going to give him a show and make him a hero. Now you have the easy way out of going, well, he's not in his right mind. He's not of his blah, 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 blah. He was mind warped. Loki, the guy did a full on attack on New York and he killed 86 people in two days, right? Isn't that the number? 80 people, yeah. 80 people. But then who cares though now? Because we love him so much. That's my, but it's kind of my favorite trope. All of my favorite TV characters are characters who show up evil and then you end up loving them. Like your Jamie Lannisters, your Sawyers from Lost. even like you know a Ben Solo type, I love that when they start out. Uh, it's like a bad boy who wants to be good. That's my weakness. That right, that's the female in us. Yeah, because sexy emo boyfriend Ben Solo is that. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't know I was obsessed with him until the third movie. And say what you will about the third movie, but once he has his little sweater on, <laughs> being a good guy, I'm like, oh, and then I go back and watch the first two movies, and I'm like, yeah, boy, I know where this is going, and I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that is, it is a trope I like as well. Like, I, I'm usually the one that's like, oh, I want to see a redeemable villain, um, or I love an anti-hero, you know, that is, that is, so that's kind of very similar to a redeemable villain. Well, that's interesting. Like, let's then kind of get into the, the anti-heroes that we see a lot of. Because, Jamie, I'm also glad you brought up Ben Solo. I feel like the traditional, up until recently, the trope that we saw with a villain who had a redeemable arc was then death. Mm-hmm. Once Ben Solo realizes what he's done and that it's wrong, we kill him. Once Darth Vader's like, oh my god, I'm back, I see the light, I've thrown the Emperor off, I've literally saved everybody. Now I didn't kill a lot of people to get there, but I saved a lot of people. He's dead. Hmm. More often than not, when a character does find that sort of redemption, we fry him. Because like, what are we gonna do? Have a challenging story where they have to like see that? But like, wouldn't a Star Wars movie have been kind of awesome if we brought back somebody from the dark side and we're like, now we're gonna watch him either win back the people that he hurt or like go on his own way and like be good. I mean, is not is that not why Loki is so good? That we're now gonna watch this guy episode by episode be like, man, I messed up and I might not have access to my brother anymore or the Avengers or anybody else and they might not even forgive me or forget what I did, but I have figured it out and now without them knowing, I'm gonna help everyone. And it isn't really about the notice anymore. It is just them being like, oh man. And like, that's kind of where these Spider-Man villains are. Like had Norman Osborn been healed, we would have you know, ripped off Iron Man in 2004 uh, before that movie even came out. And he would have just had a cool green arc reactor. <laughs> I, I don't know how much, for, speaking of the Ben Solo of it all, I don't know if any of you were deep in Raylo Twitter of the time, uh, but I was. If you don't know, that's people who ship uh, Ben and Ray. And, uh, and th- it was an outrage. I mean, Twitter, some of my friends, I cannot speak to them about that film because Ben Solo died. And I'm not, one time I Zoomed with my friend and I had a Rise of Skywalker shirt on because it was laundry day and they literally went, how dare you wear that shirt in front of me? <laughs> I'm not kidding, I was like, I don't, I, it's laundry day. I didn't even think about it. And, don't you and, miss our 2019 and, and, problems? It's great, I know, right? <laughs> and, 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 but the thing for me is, this isn't a TV show, it's a trilogy, it's over. Right. Well, he, the, the man blew up planets. He's yeah. what, he was gonna go to space jail? I, I personally think it's more powerful in his case for him to die. I like and to think make kissed. a sacrifice. I, I thought it was hot, and uh, then he died. Yeah. But that's just me. Well, but I, there was hot. also the, the another corner of the internet that was like grossed out that they kissed. Yeah. Because of like he's an abuser. For I, personally, I was I think the only person who was happy 
They kissed, he died, I'm happy about it. But I do think in a different medium, like television or in Marvel where it's continuous and it's never going to end, they do have that chance. Right. But when but when we know we're not getting this the is the final back, movie, yeah, we just gotta kill. Exactly. I mean, I think that I, I, again, yeah, I agree with that so much. Like, there is an end point to this trilogy. Therefore, we can't redeem him. But it's so funny how like we want to redeem so many of our characters. Like, we want to see them redeemed through all these like TV shows and rebirths and whatever. We're not that forgiving in life. <laughs> it's so well, funny. Like they can literally blow up a planet, but tweet something bad. Oh! I was gonna say I think that, that speaks to the relatability of where we are. I think for a long time, at least we sort of positioned it this way: of like we were relating to the Captain Americas and the Supermans because that is what we could live up to be. That was mm. the best of us and the best example of who we are. And then we kind of went through a bad boy phase with Tony Stark <laughs> and Iron Man and. <laughs> Batman and Bruce Wayne, and suddenly we were like, ooh, I like these guys, they're a little bit edgier, but they're still good, but they're not great. And now I think we're sort of starting to like the characters who have made bad mistakes. Because like ev everybody, I have to assume, has made a mistake that they're like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that, or it's not as bad as like, you know, waging war on New York City with an alien army. Right. But like everyone's <laughs> gossiped about somebody or said something or be like, ah oh, man, I think we now like seeing characters who can come back from that place. I think that's why Wanda trends every single day on Twitter. Cause she's, that's, I mean, she's the same. We finally get a woman who kind of is in that realm. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's my favorite character in existence right now. And I think a lot of people relate to that. She's trying. She's trying. She's not doing great. I she's really personally, growing up being a comic book fan uh, from a small age, always kind of was like, it's too much. It's too much to try to live up to Superman. It's too much to try to live. I can't. I mess up. You know, I don't. I'm not. And I think I, that's why I was drawn to anti heroes because I was like, they mess up, but they find a way to be good. And like, isn't that human? Like, I. There's no way I can live up to Man of Steel. Like, I just can't. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm a good person, but, but that is, and like Captain America, that is Boy Scout. I can't, I can't reach there. And I, and I don't want to try. Well, they're not that hard. You just got to make a fire. And it's like, you should at least be an Eagle Scout by now. I don't even know what the difference is. Eagle Scout, though. <laughs> no, Do they I, sell cookies? I don't know. Well, I, I think uh, Eagle Scout, I, I know I was a Boy Scout. Eagle Scout is the apotheosis of being a Boy Scout. It's the top. The tip top black belt uh, Boy Scouts. Uh, you can kick a fire's ass. Um, Damn. No, no, I, I think that um, uh, the original OG bad boy was Wolverine because we knew that he was bad. <laughs> we knew that he was bad and we knew that he had killed people. We knew that he had killed people kind of capriciously as well. Yeah. But he starts hanging out with kids. And he's just like, mm, you know, he put, you know. He, he, I don't like the way you phrase that. <laughs> I want you to rephrase how you talk just, about my man. I just thought it was so, I, I thought it was so puerile. They just put him next to Jubilee and all of a sudden he's a good guy. He was gutting people like 10 minutes ago. It's like, hey, Jubilee, like, you look great in that outfit. Let's go to the mall. But like the gutting was, like, yeah. He's, <laughs> but he's, he's the OG bad boy and we let him, we let him redeem himself because it seemed like, it was such an effort for him to stop being bad. Whereas with Loki, I felt like the series gave us a lot of, uh, he was in untenable situations that were well beyond regular human scope. So we let him redeem himself. If he was just a doctor from Earth who had committed genocide, I don't think we would be like, hey, Dr. Horrible Guy, you're That's good That's a now. horrible TV show. <laughs> is, that, is that not I'd watch Tony's arc in the whole series? Yeah. Well, he blew people up anonymously. We love to anonymously. His bomb said Stark on the side. But he wasn't there every time. Yeah, his name was on it, but. It was an electronic signature, not an actual signature. <laughs> My taxes let me do an e-signature. That's why I was kind of uh, really upset that we never went more into Tony Stark's like, like redemption train, if it were. Like, you no, know, in the comic books, we, like, he really goes dark. And he has trouble, and he like really has to crawl out of that hole. And I was well, like, we ironically fall into the old trope we were just talking yeah. about. Once he's fully redeemed, he's spoiler alert for a 2019 film that we all saw. He <laughs> dies. Like what? We 
I like we fall back into a like very classic right. neo chosen one. Oh, at the end you have to do ba 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 ba. Uh, but bringing this back to kind of Spider-Man and, and sort of the onus of this, has anybody gone back to these older Spider-Man movies, Sam Raimi or the Mark Webb ones post No Way Home? And if so, are you like, man, after seeing this one, like, we kind of killed a lot of people. We're really... I mean, I don't think I ever forgot that they killed a lot of people. Like, I mean, the scope of these characters' of murder rate is very, very big. Um, but I think there is something that we could like suspend because of its, its comic books and we're able to do that. <laughs> I, I, this always comes up like, oh, this, this one kills and this one right. doesn't. And, and, it, and people ask me this and I, I never clock the kills. And maybe it's because I'm a really big, this action, like, like gritty action fan. I'm like, oh yeah, some random person just got murdered by our hero. That's normal. That when I'm like, oh, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you any of the murders that happened uh, from these heroes, and maybe that's m my bad. Maybe I should be more aware of uh, who's killing people. But I, I just never dwell on that. Uh, yeah. they're, they're doing their best. As long as they don't kill a dog or a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, redeem them. No. Is that blue light fish going to be safe? That's yeah. all that matters. We all have our lines. Get Dogs and cats. That. Hamsters. Yeah, no, I don't want them to kill a hamster either. I don't want them to kill people. I don't know. I feel like that. I should shut up now. <laughs> no, you know, but you know what I hate? I, as far as Spider-Man killing the, the main guys, he, he, it's funny that Spider-Man is the inverse of all the other action heroes, right? Action heroes like John Wick. John Wick will kill 87 people, get up to the final guy, and go, we must bargain. Here's a gold coin. Let's talk about it. Let's play Connect Four with these gold coins. <laughs> and and instead of killing this bad guy who sent a hundred dudes to kill him and his whatever, Spider-Man doesn't do that. Spider-Man webs up everybody in the alley. Hey, bud, you were trying to steal a purse. Think about it for 10, 10 hours, <laughs> webbed up to a wall. But he'll kill Green Goblin or let Green Goblin guy die right. by omission. I think that's the, the interesting thing about the Sam Raimi movies is one, I love them, so I'm not like trying to bag on them, but like they're now a little bit older, they're a little bit formulaic, and it's why we have the superhero movies we have today, and we'll talk more about that, but like they are very much like the villain is a guy who is taken over by another force, be it mechanical or alien or a formula, and then at the end of it, Spider-Man has a chance to now, look, for me at least, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, you had a chance to bring them back, and instead we're just like, this is fine. Like, the, the guy, the even the glider stab, I'm like, okay, so it hit him, and he's like, don't tell Harry, and then he falls down in like a very movie-esque way, a very, you can't tell me he wasn't trying to make period pieces. I mean, Doc Ock is throwing ducktailed money bags at him in that <laughs> bank. Like that, Sam Raimi wanted those movies to be in the 60s. He wanted some like, you're dancing on like a wallflower, Peter. It would have been great. Um, but it's like, he, he brings the body back to the house and puts it in bed. And I'm like, there was no moment there where you were webbing and, and Norman, who is on basically super soldier serum, was like, I'm still okay, Peter. Like we can... <laughs> Maybe a hospital. He was like, no, no, to the Oscorp mansion you go. Like, it, 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 that's what I said with Doc Ock. I'm like, we didn't even try to go underwater. There wasn't even a scene where he dives in and, like, struggles. He just watches that dude after he screams at his tentacles. And another, like, you can't tell me this wasn't supposed to be a period piece movie. No! Bark at the you. It's like, okay. <laughs> So for me, I go back and I'm like, man, after seeing Tom Holland really like sit down with like fake science and like sit in like a Q mansion and be like, oh, I've solved all these problems and then like have this onus of like, we're gonna go cure all of these people. Watching these other ones until ironically, Andrew Garfield's in Amazing Spider-Man 2 just sort of allow death to happen and also stand there and be like, I don't do this. It's like, well, well, it's death by omission. It's, it's, yeah, it's the writers let him do it. Like, this guy walks backwards and falls. He's just like, no, huh? what can you do? <laughs> like, people are going to fall. <laughs> You're like, oh. Based on how he acts with all the other villains, I'm surprised he didn't just, like, punch Sandman out at the end of Spider-Man 3. Like, I don't think that would have worked. Yeah, I was like, I was like, practicality. You trusted him, Jamie. At that point, Sandman trusted him. He could have done whatever he wanted. He had a small window there. But it, and that's, you know, at least for me, so I'm curious if anybody else now has gone back and been like, oh man, like, even things like the Batman, when you sort of go back to Batman Begins and you're like, oh, we could have had this like real 
gritty detective story with these like deep, interesting themes. And I love Nolan's movies, but now you go back and it's the detective work. And that one is very much like, I have this computer and it's gonna show me the fingerprint on the bullet and then Lucius is gonna basically be my cue and we're gonna solve this problem. And I'm like, ooh, but now we have this like innovative thing that's changed the game. Maybe I'm alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Everyone's Batman just nodding at Batman has changed the game, is that what you're saying? I think Spider-Man No Way Home and the Batman have oh. both now like really pushed, the, especially after seeing Morbius, and you're like, that's a 1998 Don't story. get played starting with Morbius, everybody. <laughs> uh, we can't, we don't have enough time for him to talk about Morbius. We don't, we don't have 90 Morbius. <laughs> Nobody needs to be there. <laughs> it's like I'm not about to risk it for Morbius, dog. It's not worth the COVID. There's <laughs> hierarchies, you know. Uh, but but again, I think it's one of those things where I I don't want you to not be hopeful, Blake. I, you know what I mean? I don't I don't want you to, to not be. I don't want you to not be hopeful, okay? But in in a lot of these stories, they're structured in such a way where the villain, like uh, I mean, my girlfriend watches like CSI shows and like Criminal Minds, and it's like they always structure the story to where the person is doing the most evil thing possible. He's, try he's trying to put a baby in a blender while assassinating the president. So Every the heroes time. have to shoot him. At the end. They, they make it to where they, all this carnage has to happen. And then nobody gets read their Miranda rights. I'm convinced nobody in Criminal Minds knows <laughs> what their Miranda rights You're... are. Because they just shoot everybody. And I hate to make us take a weird left, but police. you're oddly getting this <laughs> And you, you've ironically just touched into my wedding crashers problem. Oh, I, thought, I thought he was gonna I'm say going to say into my wedding. And I was like, this is to make, to make these two characters, that's when the mic really picked up, to, to make these two characters who are crashing weddings and tricking and manipulating women redeemable, we had to make Brad Pitt like a, like I cheat on my girlfriend, I don't care about baby seals, and I'm gonna punch Owen Wilson so hard just for us to be like, you know what? The guy who lied to her is the hero. Like, <laughs> that is like, in such, it's the same thing that happens with Killmonger in Black Panther, a character that no, he we was all, right all along. That's what I mean. Oh. So we had to like, he was right the whole time. Yeah, but so they, then, you're right. They made him choke the grandma. Like he's super right. So they go, hey, what's up grandma? And they're like, oh, this lady I used yeah. to have sex with, I'll shoot you. And it's like, oh, you just did too violent. She's not the game of his plan, <laughs> then like, He's so correct that to make him not a hero, we then had to be like, no, but his plan is actually genocide. So it's fine. But like we all, and this is sort of what I mean, where it's like these movies are structured this way, but I feel like we're now getting to a place that's challenging the genre and therefore making the hero stronger, where we're almost making them go, is the guy I'm fighting wrong? Like even the Riddler in the new Batman is like, look, Bruce, I'm gonna kill all the corrupt politicians. And the part of me is like, he should be like, great. Like, okay, well now I'm gonna this kill all the corrupt Blake cops. Shouldn't see movies. <laughs> like, he, his plan is like, I'm gonna get rid of all the corrupt politicians and all the bad cops. And Batman should have been like, okay. I think that's why I, my, Blanche, my favorite MCU villain is Ultron, because you're he doesn't. We don't have to have that with Ultron. As like Black Widow, we didn't get that. Um, we actually got a real villain who you, you want him to blow up in the end. Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that it is fun. I, I like when villains get redeemed, but we do need, it is also good to have a straight up bad villain. Well, and they haven't completely abandoned that. Uh, Shang-Chi, definitely not, but that was a good way to be complex. I liked the, the father aspect of that. Um, but it just, I think it depends, honestly, uh, on what the film has given us. Well, I think that's kind of the interesting part because, of course, if we're suddenly going to be like every hero gets redeemed, we're going to get as bored of that as we did in like 2005 of like, and then they die and the hero applauds himself. So, you, but that's why you have the Jokers and the Thanoses and these people who are just so far gone. But then you are, you do get to a point of like, well, what do we do with them? We see in the Batman where it's like, well, now we just have this Silence of the Lambs Joker where. We're gonna psychoanalyze every villain, but we know like this is where the Punisher comes in, where he's like, I'd shoot them and they stay down. Right. Where Daredevil's like, put them in the prison system. You have a question. Um, I, I wanted to say a lot of things, but um, what about the hero that pleads with those villains? Mm. This brings me to Man of Steel because um, I don't think Superman should kill 
But that's a, that argument goes both ways because no Christian holds them with God. But he did plead with them with God. Whereas, like, Wonder Woman didn't even try. Like, she had General Negro plead. She had to submit. And yet she drove a sword to him and they didn't even give him a chance to surrender. Like, nobody really makes a big deal about that. But they rag on Superman all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, some, they've got this mantra now of Wonder Woman, like, women should not see her whole thing about love. And I, I, like, so Wonder Woman would even give you a chance to surrender. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, how do you feel about that? When we're pleading with the, we have another recorder here for when we put it, so I'm just well, going to keep going. Yeah, right. So when we're pleading with the villain, how do we feel? How, what what pleads do we do? Like you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I think it it's just gives the villain more time to do more nefarious stuff. Like I agree that in, in Man of Steel there might have been. Hey, look, I'm not a Snyder truther or no weirdo. But I do think that this whole concept as fans that we've come up with, well, well, Superman who just learned how to be super yesterday and like let his dad get taken by a tornado. He doesn't know, he doesn't know how to be super. You saw that he didn't know how to be super. So this dude that's like a, you, anyone in here, go fight a Navy SEAL to the death and see if you win. But I'll die. You, you, get, you get smacked up. You'd be brutally ruined in two seconds. Anybody in here. That was what Zod was. So it doesn't matter if you have superpowers. If he has superpowers, you have superpowers. He's gonna whoop your ass. And so he told them, dude, you, if he if he saved that one family and Zod flies off, that's another thousand families that could get killed in two minutes with the power that Zod has. So to me, I felt that I felt what Snyder had one good note in him, and it was that it was that I snapped your neck, but then he cried. He did a sonic scream. He sort of cried. He sobbed, and you knew right then and there that that was the last time he would probably ever kill anybody. That was what it was supposed to be. Right. Now it got muddled with all this other crap, you know, whatever. Right, but right. Uh, I just think sometimes you can earn one of those. But I'm, to- I'm in total agreement with Homeboy about Wonder Woman. Well, I have so many feelings. We just can't get into those. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't get into those movies. It's, it's, so sorry. It's such an interesting thing, too, because I feel like what you're also sort of getting into when we plead with the villain are these villains whose main agency, I think about the Joker and the Dark Knight, and, and Zod and, and a lot of other villains are just trying to drag the hero down to their level. Mm. And I think that's also an interesting thing that you get into that Spider-Man's never really had. He's mm. never really had a villain outside of the Green Goblin who's just like, join me. And then when he's like, no, he's like, I'm gonna burn down buildings all day until you show up, Spider-Man. Um, but I think that's a very interesting thing because then you are like, clearly this is not a villain who wants to be redeemed. Mm. This is just a guy going, nah, that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to laser these people. You also had a question, sir. Which almost became yeah. a joke. <laughs> so if you didn't hear her talk about Batman the animated series and Batman saving villains. Yeah, and he often I mean where do you draw a line? Like, you know, how often times can Tim Newton can you say enough's enough? I mean, like how many times can I say Joker back to Arkham Asylum? Before it becomes well, right, that became you know, a, a constant joke, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, exactly. he was pure evil. I shot him six times. No, and, and I six times. I so agree with that. It's like at certain points, it becomes a joke that you're just letting the same like, oh, he's gonna break out. He's so gonna do this. this, I think, is the main difference to your point of like a Batman in the animated series, and even Batman in general, and a lot of other superhero tropes that we've seen, and this Spider-Man No Way Home where we see him throw them into what is basically a, a science fiction prison system designed storytelling-wise for them to break out and come back again. But outside of like Harley Quinn, we never really see a therapist in Arkham Asylum. We never see anybody and we know like, how well she <laughs> Right, and, but this is another villain. To be fair though, Harley is another great example of a villain that through the course of both the animated show and the comics and the Suicide Squad movies, has gone on a similar arc that we're talking right. about. And but I feel like, 
I mean, I think she's a little bit more. No, no, she's no. more of an anti. We'll get into. Well, she's she's more complicated because I feel like there's there's mental there's health abuse. issues yeah. and abuse and. My, yeah. my <laughs> she's someone point. I think we all, but we're all rooting for her. Oh, right. absolutely. My, my, I can't like if you're here and you're like I'm never rooting for Harley Quinn. I'm concerned for. Yeah. But my brain. my point though, and this is currently something that I think we talked about a lot in real life, is like. Are the prison systems lowering crime? And the answer statistically is often no. Yeah. Oh, and are we talking so, about in super? <laughs> but but to, to use Arkham as that example and use Batman, he is saving these villains, but he's not really like trying to help Clayface. He's not really sitting down with Riddler and, and helping him. He's tossing them into a prison where they're surrounded by other people who want to break out. They break out and they wreak havoc again. In No Way Home, you really see Tom Holland's Spider-Man be like, I'm gonna, and granted, these are characters that have like a digital affliction. He doesn't really, outside of Electro, he doesn't really have any characters who are just like psychologically on the wrong path. Which makes it easier for him to make that which decision. Which makes it, uh, yes, right. which storytelling-wise is a lot easier to be like, I fixed your microchip. But to that point, we saw in Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie most people don't like, but I think is actually pretty good. Love it. Yeah, Jamie and I are team AMS2. His first, I love it. I love it so much. It's so great. Uh, it's not great. It's fine. Great, great moments. ADHD. He just keeps um, notching it down. But his first, his first main scene with Electro is one of the first times that I felt like we saw a character go, no one shoot my friend Max. No one come near him. I can see you're hurt, and we're going to try to help you. That's we're the best scene in the movie. It's the best scene in almost any Spider-Man movie. He, he knew Norman Osborn his whole life. When that dude was thrown out of the Green Goblin, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was never like, maybe something is just wrong. <laughs> like he ne Same with Doc Ock. That dude was teaching him poetry. And when he's throwing fucking Scrooge McDuck coin bags at him, he was never like, maybe there's an ailment. Like... <laughs> He, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is the first one to be like, I don't know, guys, something's off. <laughs> like, but, you, but you know what's funny? Like, I am such an asshole. I never gave that movie the chance. As soon as I saw that the eels in, uh, that made Electro turn electric were moray eels, who are not electric. <laughs> like, there's a lot of long Moray eels are do. not electric. Right, right. So, they, get you some of those, you know, Brazilian water eels. <laughs> you know, like so fresh I'm, water. I'm going to blow your mind here. Those kind of tentacles don't actually take over your mind in Spider-Man 2. What? What? <laughs> uh, no, I know about that. That kind those of venom symbiote lands, it doesn't always take over. Okay, those are fictional things. Do not, do not straw man me, bud. <laughs> those eels were not electric. It, it would take two seconds of research. To just get some I mean, funny looking. I would say that they could have worked a little bit harder on the movie. <laughs> the eels are redeemable. <laughs> there might as well have been lions in that vat. It's, it's the same sort well, I of. I that movie. But I think, I think the thing is, I would love to say that the that Spider-Man made a big political statement, like the judicial system, the prison system, don't work, and you you have to redeem and show. But I don't think they did because they chose specific people that were conflicted. Well, yes. I mean, there is always going to be a narrative element to it. Right? Well, you don't have to be inflicted to be redeemable. No, this is true. I feel like a good example of, of, of what you're thinking would be Zemo. Um, because he was in Civil War very much, you know, just he made decisions that were not good based on his past traumas, and he was a bad dude. And then in Falcon the Winter Soldier, I mean, he was kind of my favorite character in that show, and I don't know how I feel about that. So like, like, dancing. like dancing Zemo is my boy, <laughs> but 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 I uh, he didn't. Yeah. I don't. I feel icky feeling that way because You're, he wasn't really. He doesn't have anything like that, but he does. I, I mean, you know, send him to Wakanda, you know. Uh, and I really think he's one of the best MCU examples of of what you're talking well, about. Well, and he's another character who's not entirely wrong. The guy was like, look, the Avengers just rolled into my town. They weren't supposed to be here, and they blew everything up. That's a very sane very reason to be upset. Accurate. Not a wrong mission statement, but then he yeah. killed the king of Wakanda. And, right, which is know, not nice. Not nice. Don't do it. Don't kill kings. No, there's <laughs> Don't kill well, Stop it. I think that's like, a joke. <laughs> History would be a lot better if it was too I think a question back here. Oh, yes. Next. Yeah. Uh, following up the idea that uh, you never see Batman uh, actually helping out the villains in the movie, uh, 
this brings us, that's already off stage. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how that fits into this. No but we never quite see Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Is there a specific villain you're thinking of from any of the movies that I'm missing? Mr. Freeze. Freeze guy. The Freeze guy. That's that, yes. his new name. Yeah. It's guy. rapper name. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and to limit it to Superman, even Clark Kent is going to, you know, will do investigations that supposedly Superman can't do. That's a good and, point. And, 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 you know, Quick Entertainment is just get it. Yeah, that is a, there is a duology of the superhero that we haven't got into, which is Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne's and Peter Parker's and whomever. And what their actual helping is, which I feel like is very often the, the uh, current counterpoint you see online with Bruce Wayne and Batman is like he just dresses up like a bat, but couldn't he use his money to fund public service? Couldn't he help Gotham in ways that wouldn't make for a giant cinematic franchise? <laughs> and to your point, yes. And it's, it's interesting that we don't actually see that work in the movies often because I do think especially after seeing things like the Batman and things like No Way Home that do have giant big third acts but have a lot of intimate character moments that we don't ever really see like Michael Keaton's Batman or Val Kilmer or George Clooney in the Batman and Robin one as Bruce I'm Wayne sure helping these Val people. Kilmer. First of all, Val Kilmer's Batman is, we don't have enough time to get into that. I can't. <laughs> He's I can't fine. Batman Forever is perfectly fine. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah? And uh, you know, the governor's there, Superman's found a place for her to, you know, live and, you know, get out of harm's way. You also, um, oh, it's another villain, um, sorry, Bizarre. You found, you found a yeah. cool, you know, where Bizarre could be happy with it. Does that kind of count? Or so it, it definitely does, and I think what's interesting, a lot of these long-form examples, and, and uh, Ed and Jamie both brought it up too, are in, like, long-form mediums. Mm. And I think what's very interesting, the joke I sort of made uh, before we started was like, you know, in 2001, there would have been a Winter Soldier movie where at the end, Bucky would have been like, I'm with you till the end of the line, Cap, and this is the end of the line. And he would have blown up the last ship, and we would have been like, oh my god, he was good, and then died. Because mm -hmm. I feel like for a long time, that was how we did it. But even, I think, as a result of the MCU, you're seeing more and more movies in other genres have these almost like more relatable villains. We no longer really in like a 90 to two hour movie are like, they're just bad all the time. And then they die. We now are trying to make like two sides of the same coin. I think Black Panther and Killmonger and Superman and Lex and even like Peter and the Green Goblin are good examples of it in the first one of like, we sort of see where both of them are coming from and neither one is really wrong. Like even the Green Goblin's whole, his only agency in that first Spider-Man movie is to be like, they're eventually gonna hate you. We might as well go be awesome. <laughs> it's like, that's really it. And Spider-Man's like, no, that's ridiculous. Only to be proved wrong in every subsequent movie. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think we're, I think the one thing we're getting over and getting past, which is why I wish the Joker would just fall into a thresher machine. <laughs> like like the bad guy at the end of um, Long Kiss, no, uh, the bad guy at the uh, end of uh, Last Boy Scout, he gets shot and he falls into helicopter blades. That's what I need to happen to the Joker forever because I'm tired of ugly people who are losers, and that's the villain. You've activated Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, uh, if you're ugly and you're a loser, there is no way you're not going to be a villain. Only and that's dumb. I, that's, that's true. I want I want people who had the choice. I want well healed. I want you to have money and be handsome. And then you chose to be an asshole because I know a lot of handsome moneyed people in there. Assholes. Without money, he was not handsome. I was surprised around our panel today. He's got a point. I was just talking to him lately. Like you're going Danny Lannister. Do you like? Do you sympathize because he's a good-looking guy, Nicholas Cross? Because Danny Lannister is a good-looking guy. 
I want to get to his first because he just had his hand up before. I'm basically, what do you think is better? Is it better to just have an irredeemable, terrible bad guy that you killed? Or is it better to have a bad guy that you kind of understand that you either redeem or stop in some way? Like Did you know that we had 10 minutes left? Wrap it up, he says. <laughs> get to the point. Um, the question was for our recorder that's here for us to upload. Do we think it's better to have an irredeemable villain that the hero can fight, or to have a redeemable villain that can be redeemed, to not be repetitive? I, I will I will go first. I feel like we should all yeah. answer this question. Yeah. Uh, and I think it depends. I, I really do. I mean, my favorite villain of all time is Hans Gruber, and I don't want to <laughs> see a nice Hans Gruber, ever. I want to see that man get pushed out of a window to his death. And, but I, I, I want Loki, who at one point was an evil, terrible dude, now I'm rooting for him. I want him to find love and be happy. And I think that's beautiful. I, I, don't, I genuinely don't have a preference because it's just, that's what, what makes storytelling beautiful, hmm. is that it's different, all of the stories. Uh, and Do you I, have a favorite? A favorite what? Of those two stories. If I was like, pick Loki or Die Hard. I mean, I'm a Loki for Die Hard, right, but that's because you're talking to me, number one Die Hard fan. I'll fight you. It is my title. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, but but I will say, move. if I had to pick, because I like long form, I guess I would pick the redeemed, just only because it, it means I get more story, and and mo and most of my favorite t my favorite TV character of all time or one of them is, is a Buffy character who I'm not gonna name because my boyfriend's in the audience and he's watching it for the first time and I don't wanna spoil it. But my favorite character is a Buffy character who becomes is evil. Yeah, but yeah. you just whispered it really loud in the mic. Yeah, it's like, right in the Exactly, so if I had to choose, yes, but I don't want to choose. Uh, because if I, because. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and how about you? <laughs> I'll just go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's already out there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and how about you? Redeemable or irredeemable? I said I um, was sorry. I think, I think my favorite would be a long-form situation where you can see a character be bad and then see them sort of try to reform and then fail because I think that's realistic. I've known so many people who have tried and tried and tried to be better, and they can't because it's hard. It's very difficult to actually change who you are. It's very, think about how many people you know have actually changed their lives. Count them on your one hand and you know you're gonna stop. So I'm saying this whole concept that there's so many, it's so common for people to change their whole lives and change their whole ethos, it's ridiculous. So I would love to watch something where somebody tries their damnedest to change and then fails because I think that's tragic. That's tragic yeah. and destructive to me. I just like, I don't need them to be redeemed. I like to know why. Um, I like to know the why they became this way. That is, that is, I am the worst because I love like horror movies, 
that go back and like we figure out why that song is Halloween. Yeah, I know. And then I cried when they did the Freddy Krueger one because it was horrible. But like, because they try to make him too redeemable. They're like, he's a pedophile, but is he? And like, no, he is. And we don't need to love him. Um, So like, but but I I like those kind of things. I. I like to like look into the mind of these people and go, why are they doing this? And ooh, that doesn't make like that not a good reason, but that at least I understand it. I I don't care if they're redeemed at the end. I just want to know the why. The why. I definitely agree with you because I love a good like why are we doing for anybody hero villain in between. Yeah, I want to know. Have a cool, I get in motivation. There. But I'm gonna be real honest. I'm tired of the irredeemable villain that just dies. I'm sick of it. I go back to these old Spider-Man movies and I'm like, oh yeah, we did this whole like will they won't they arc, and then we killed them, and we killed Doc Ock, and we killed Venom, and we killed blah 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 blah. I've seen it a thousand times. So I now want I want to kill Mongo. I want a Loki. I want a winter soldier. I want somebody that I'm like, I want to kill Monger too. Well, we all want to kill Monger. <laughs> I think both Marvel's what if, am I right? Um, but I am now like I want a story because I feel like the more interesting and challenging the villain is, the more we're gonna see our hero get pushed. And what I'm more tired of is just the pure evil villain is the the Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, X-Men, whoever it is who is just right all the time. And I want more scenes, it can be a 90 minute comedy, it can be an MCU 20 year long saga. I want to see people's philosophies and characters get pushed. We so often in all of our story structures if you're a screenwriter, you've read Save the Cat. We all are gonna have our like, ooh, and then they did something good, and that means they're a good person, and we're gonna do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And I'm like, this act, and then this. Change the formula. <laughs> We've now seen so many of these superhero movies, and even back to the 89 Batman, and like the, the, one of the first ones, we were changing it up. We, weren't, we just got dropped in media res. That dude was making mistakes. I'm like, bring it back. I loved seeing in the new Batman a traumatized Robert Pattinson. I went back to these Nolan ones and like, Chris, Christian Bale like gets over his trauma in like the first act of that first movie. And he spends the next two just holding that helmet being like, but Alfred, I've made a character. Can I really fight the Joker? And I'm like, man, Robert Pattinson's is just, he is depressed. Yeah. <laughs> like it is. He doesn't go to a single gallon, that's wrong. how you know. <laughs> Not yeah, no gallon, no credit. I want to get to your question really quick because I saw your hand up, but I know we are running out of time. Okay, going to the comic book characters and the backstories behind them. Three that I really think don't get enough justice is Doctor Doom, Magneto, and Eddie Brock from X Men. They all have closure to make, and they don't necessarily make the right ones all the time. But but you start to understand why Magneto does. I bet we're in a whole Magneto is right crowd. Right. Like, right. Yeah, Here, here's the thing, and that's, that's what gonna be a real hard thing. To do now. I was like, why would they know why? Some good points. Yeah. Do you get to know why Magneto does that? I like that. Yeah, I think Jamie even even by bringing up Ultron, I feel like is similar in like a Terminator way, right? Where like Ultron is like my programming is to do make the best possible thing for humanity, and on that timeline, I have decided that humanity is the worst possible thing for humanity, and it's like, man, that's dark, <laughs> but like maybe <laughs> accurate, but please don't kill us. But I think you're right. I think there's there's then also you know, the redeemable villain, the irredeemable one, the one that we're pleading with, and then kind of this fourth one that's like, they're right, and they just keep actively choosing the wrong way. And that's almost one thing that we didn't really get nearly as deep into as I was hoping we would, is the difference between these kind of villains and anti-heroes. And I think what, like, the main difference to me is like, an anti-hero is a venom who's like, I want to do good, and I'm going to do good by eating a lot of people's faces. And <laughs> Magneto's like, I'm going to do good, and I'm going to do it by changing the magnetic pull of the Earth and killing a bunch of people. And it's like, those are very interesting because they're, 
thematically almost already redeemed, right? Their, their mindset is correct. I want to do what I think is best. But, you, okay, you know what? I don't want to interrupt, but, like, the thing, since we're running out of time, the thing is, though, the people who are selling us these stories of sorry, they can be as liberal as they want in their minds and their souls, but when it comes down to it, there's a lot of right-wingism in our action uh, cinema. You know, the, the final results are always right-wing results, like kill them, uh, let God yeah. sort them out, drop them, blow them up. There, there's a lot of that, in the, in the, and there's a lot of uh, capitalistic, frankly, framework in a lot of the stuff that ends up being the final goals. Like, if, if it doesn't support capitalism as we know it presently, it's usually the villain of a movie. Poison Ivy wants to make everything plants, no skyscrapers. Oh, she's horrible, burn her at the stake. There's so many people who want to actually do utopia, as, as she was talking about, stuff with, with, with but they're going to mess with our status quo, and that's got to be so bad, which is why I propose that we should have more of, there'll be one imperialist shitty villain that we could all get behind, dropping into a thresher machine, and there'll be one person on the fence that we have to save. Yeah. If we're going to keep having movies with multiple villains taking time away from the damn hero all the time, have us have some malleability in those. I think. I Ed think. Just it, wants a good hero the whole time. Love that. That's a great. I want him hot, and I want him antagonist. <laughs> uh, guys, we are about through one more question away. Uh, does anybody have one more question? Otherwise, I will uh, toss this stuff to my panel. If you have a question. Not to turn off tangents, but the article about the Avengers was that was a great MC Marvel, and a villain that. Television. I mean, that's, that's a perfect television. <laughs> 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 the season one villain is usually going to be a season two helping out the heroes. That's kind of yeah. That's that's the typical trope of it all, I think. Mm -hmm. Anything? I see you had you raise your hand briefly, sir. Did you have one? No. Spider-Gwen, what would the villain be and who would play Spider-Gwen? <laughs> Jamie, do you have a villain? Clearly not, because I right. wrote. All right, Ed, how about you? As far as who she should fight, um, I always wanted her to get challenged more when I read Spider-Gwen comics. It's mostly like, I gotta beat this dude's ass in two pages so I can get to band practice. Because you're not working on this real hard Neil Peart fill on this rush cover we're doing, you know what I mean? It was a lot more of her, her life was the challenge. I would like for somebody like, uh, I liked when they kind of made her a Venom. I kind of I kind of like Spider-Gwen being the person who fights Venom and has to deal with Venom. I, I love that. Yeah, I was gonna say Venom, but now that you said it, I'm gonna say Carnage. evil, <laughs> evil Spider-Pig. <laughs> Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. I mean, you know, for me, such a basic answer, but I love that Peter Parker is the lizard in her universe stuff. I just, I would <laughs> love that. Um, as for who plays her, I agree. In the, in the all of the, she can be in everything, and I won't mind. But to change the answers, and I'm going to get the actress's name wrong, uh, the lead opposite Jonah Hill's sister in Booksmart. I think it is time for her to be in a cool actress. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Love that. Uh, that is it, guys. Thank I you hope guys. that you have satisfied. Thank you. Had a long day. Thank you. <laughs> you can, of course, if you liked this, we do this show uh, fairly consistently. We just we're wrapping up season two of it right now. You can see the You Can't Do That Anymore podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Leave us a review, like it, and share it. It's the only way we survive. Uh, you can find me at As Always Blake and the other podcasts I do. Anastasia, where can everybody find you and your work? At Anastasia Wash on Instagram, at Anastasia W on Twitter, Anastasia TV on YouTube. Oh yeah, uh, at Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter. You can check me out at, at Ed Greer, I mean, uh, at Nerd Guild Podcast for my podcast, The Greatest Pod, and on my YouTube channel, Reboot It. I'm uh, Jamie Cinematics on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow me for, uh, it's Nick Cage month, watching one Nick Cage movie every day this month, so join that journey with me, and uh, you can catch me on comicbook.com's podcast, Phase Zero, every week. And then Jamie and I will soon be doing a follow-up to what we call our Marvel pair-up, where we do a 
every Disney Plus show and pair it up with whatever genre it's in. So with WandaVision, we did an episode of WandaVision and whatever sitcom it was doing. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was buddy cop movies. We're now doing Moon Knight with identity movies, which is much looser than anything else we've I done. I like to say we're doing them with mindfuck movies. I you know, however you want to spin it. <laughs> that was it, guys. Thank you so much. This was Thank awesome. You. I had a great time. I hope you all had fun. Uh, thank you.